Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am very excited to speak with the articulate and savvy Jessica Rhodes. Jessica Rhodes is the founder of Interview Connections, named the best specialty podcast guest booking agency of 2021 by Corporate Vision Magazine. Interview Connections has been the powerhouse behind thousands of entrepreneurs who are increasing their visibility with the power of podcast guesting. When Jessica started her company in 2013, no other podcast booking service existed. She grew Interview Connections to six figures in her first full year, then proceeded to double the company's revenues each year following. Along with co-owner and CEO, Margie Feldyun, she has grown the company to multiple seven figures with over 25 full-time employees. In addition to leading a team that books thousands of podcast interviews a year, Jessica coaches her clients on all aspects of leadership and marketing when scaling a company to six and seven figures. Jessica balances her busy life as an entrepreneur with her role as a wife, mom to her eight-year-old son, six-year-old daughter, and two rescue cats and five backyard chickens. <laughs> Jessica, welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Hi, Kilkenny. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's so wonderful to be here and to have you with me. And today I'm going to start with the only question I ask all my guests, which is what does it mean to be a modern mystic to you? So to me, it really means being really in touch, you know, being really mindful and being spiritual but not in a way that many people might think if they think about like spiritual and mindfulness. You know, I think that what it means to me is just kind of redefining what spirituality looks like. I love that. I really appreciate your pithy answer because <laughs> a lot of times I get guests and like myself, we can, you know, go into deep lofty kind of conversation, which is fabulous. And I know you and I will do soon, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it really is true. And, and part of why I named the podcast that and my vision for it, that idea of redefining so that it's not just something that's like intellectual out there. But how do we really integrate our mysticism into day-to-day life? And that's why I'm so excited to talk with you because you do that so beautifully. Thank you. So one of the things that first caught my attention about your work was your commitment and passion for connection. In the business world, I feel like we don't often hear business leaders emphasizing humanity as I've heard you so beautifully do and connection. When I heard those sentiments from you right away, and they're even reflected, right, in the name of your business, Interview Connections, that word connection, because in the world of yoga, which is my lineage, there's a myriad of different traditions and practices and philosophies of thought systems within that system of yoga. And maybe the only thing they agree upon unanimously is that the word yoga etymologically speaking, actually comes from the root Sanskrit, yuj, meaning to connect or Mm. to unify. So whether one is doing the physical asana practice 
or a tantric or Buddhist meditation. The aim of all the practices is this word connection. Even when we're, you know, on our mats, connecting our bodies to our minds and our souls together, or you could think about it limited selves with spirit and source, nature, mm-hmm. humanity, the universe, the void, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And it, in Celtic and shamanic cultures, there are these practices to connect to magic and healing powers. So there are various practices to do this with various traditions. But one could really argue that all the aim of mindful and mystic practices is this word connection. So mm-hmm. Could you speak about the power of connection and why you chose it as a title of your rocking company and how folks in the business world, you know, whether it be small business owners, entrepreneurs, spiritualpreneurs, corporate leaders could benefit more from focusing on this word connection as a touchstone and a signpost? Yeah, I heard in a meditation that I was doing just the other day, and I remember I was like standing outside in my backyard when I was listening to it. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was like, you are the connection between the earth and source with your soul and spirit being inside of you. You're physically touching the ground. like, And that was just such a powerful visualization for me of like, I literally am the connection. Like we as humans are all the connection between the earth, the physical, and the spiritual. I don't know why I just felt called to share that because that really helped me kind of visualize modern mysticism and spirituality. And Margie and I, we always talk with our team, like we run a really human-centered business. We do so much with marketing and sales and business growth and strategy, but at the center of it all is the experience of the humans that we're working with. What is the experience when we're running a masterclass? What is the experience for the people that signed up for it? When we're serving our clients, how does this feel to them? What is the experience for them as we send this email, as we have this type of conversation with them on Zoom? Always thinking about the human-centered approach. If we're sending out text messages, we're really mindful of when is this going to be delivered on their phone? You know, when are we making a call, right? So it doesn't interrupt a part of their day that might be for family or something like that. We always kind of think about what is the experience for the person on the other side, not just how can I get what I want from them, but what is the experience for them? And that really helps us be connected with that person because we're putting ourselves in their shoes. We're really putting ourselves in their experience and working to really understand that. And by doing that, we can feel so much more connected with them. For example, I lead our sales team. If I have a salesperson that says, oh, that person didn't show up. We had a call schedule. They didn't show up. And I say, okay, well, before we get upset or frustrated, let's seek to understand why didn't they show up? Did someone die? Did their kid get sick? Maybe emailing you to say they couldn't make the call wasn't their top priority. Like, let's seek first to understand so we can be connected with their experience and understand what they're going through before we make it about us and how it inconvenienced our day. So, so eloquent and profound. I love that so much, too, because so much in my field of work, I do work with private coaching clients and I have a monthly membership and I hear all the time about people being frustrated because they're chasing the experience in their head and not being present to what is actually happening. What I'm saying is they want to have like, say, some mystical experience in meditation, and they have an idea that how it should go. 
And then it's like, well, what was really happening prior to it? And it's like, well, you know, I had just yelled and had a fight with my partner and this and this and that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just what you're saying, that mindfulness of pausing and then really thinking about, okay, what is happening in the now? What is my experience? So that idea threading in the lands of mindfulness and mysticism, really basing one's life off of what one is experiencing, not what one thinks that they should be experiencing. Mm-hmm. So that's really beautiful. Now, I owned a brick and mortar business for almost five years, and now everything is online mm-hmm. right now, <laughs> as it is for so many people. Having a small business, even online, it's such an exercise in discipline and devotion. And I feel like those two words probably don't come to mind for a lot of our listeners when folks hear about the word business. But these words, devotion and discipline, truly, in my experience, are paramount. And I always say to my clients and students, when you're trying to practice something and create that kind of discipline, and in my mind, you know, it's devotion, better to practice, say, 15 minutes a day than one or two huge practices a week, which a lot of times people go for, like the big, like, oh, but I practice for like an hour. But it was like once a week, which is fine and good, but not nearly as potent and valuable as that discipline and that steady devotion. And that is so essential, I have found in my experience in business. And I'm wondering for you, what are key strategies that you've put into place that you consider non-negotiable practices of discipline and devotion that have led you to your enormous success and growth of your business? That's such a good question. And I I totally agree. It's the consistency of doing something more frequently throughout your week versus just one time per week. I mean, number one, something that has me meditate or feel grounded and really focus on the moment is I have to do something like that every single day. What it would typically look like is, you know, a guided meditation, putting on my AirPods and listening to a meditation and really getting into a meditative state. Some days I don't feel like doing a guided meditation, but I go outside, I have chickens in the backyard, you know? And so (laughs) one of my favorite things to do on days where it's not pouring down rain like it is today is go outside and clean their coop and refill their, you know, water and their food and like collect the eggs. It just feels so grounding because I'm just doing the work that has to get done. And it's just about these primal animals that have the tiniest brains. And (laughs) (laughs) and it just has me feeling it just has me feeling very present. I'm not thinking about work or what has to get done or, you know, I'm not thinking about things that we as humans created. I'm just thinking about what is right here in front of me. I mean, I think for like chickens are the closest ancestors to like dinosaurs. They Mm -hmm. they can't get more primal than that. And so there's something about being outside and like just taking care of them. It has a similar effect that meditation has. I don't get into like a meditative state like you do in Shavasana, but I feel very present and grounded and I disconnect myself from the stresses and the superficial worries that we create through the work that we create for ourselves. And so doing something like that every day is really, really key for me. And then there's other things, you know, reading, listening to podcasts that I enjoy. And I go through phases, right? Sometimes I go through phases where I'm like a big reader. And then I go through months where I'm like, I just don't feel like reading. And I like nothing is grabbing my attention and like 
giving myself grace. Okay. Sometimes you're not always going to read, but maybe you're just listening to a podcast that you feel really connected with the host and the the guest and, and you can find of feel like you're in the room with them. Those are some of my practices that I make sure I do every day that just helps me feel a little lighter. So fabulous. I love your chicken connection. <laughs> it's so, so wonderful. And the whole idea of just doing something that is in nature or of nature, because I always say like when we align with nature, whether it's in the form of chickens, yes. which again is so cool because <laughs> of that ancient connection, which I hadn't thought about when I heard you talk about your chickens, but that's so true. <laughs> like the most yeah. ancient <laughs> beings and creatures of dinosaurs and that, yeah. that connection. But nature is the greatest force in the world. So when we draft off of nature and do something in nature, all of a sudden there's this like incredible boon and flow that comes. And, you know, meditation really put simplistically is one pointed focus on something. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, modern day life, whether it's running a business, whether it's being a parent, you know, it's just, I think, a product of being in our society. We're Mm -hmm. constantly multitasking and have all these things going on. And our attention is divided and going back and forth, like ping ponging. So when you do something like might seem really mundane or rote, like taking care of animals, it really puts you in the zone of one pointed focus, which, Mm -hmm. you know, really to me is like a moving meditation, if you will. Yes. And I love how too, you're so wise and really honor, like you said, I read, you know, for months, and I go through these phases. I feel like the divine feminine embodied, like really listening to your intuition and being like, okay, I'm really into reading. Oh, but today, what is my body? What is my mind? What does my soul need? Oh, today it's listening to some uplifting words, podcasting, and not getting too rigid Mm -hmm. in that kind of hierarchical, more patriarchal template, but really Mm -hmm. being present and being open to what the needs are and the feeling is and the download you're getting of what you need in the moment because a lot of our days are that go-getter kind of patriarchal structure which is can be great because we need that balance of like masculine feminine energies but i love how you're able to open up to that aspect of intuition self so thank you for sharing and inspiring us in that way now you know when we are talking about manifesting and womb-festing you know our vision whether we're entrepreneurs, whatever we're trying to birth and create in this world and then run. One thing I feel like is really potent and clear, and I heard you speak about this and I resonated so much, is really understanding what your vision is and what you are doing and how you want to impact the world with it. And I heard you speak about reviewing your vision statement. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's a goddess. Because when I ran my business, I pretty much looked at my mission statement every day. And it was to the point, you know, I had it memorized because I did that. It was like a practice. And then I would, when I talked to customers in person at the time, I was always pulling parts of it and saying parts of it just because it's so much what I believed I was doing. And that remembrance of why I was doing what I was doing helped me I feel like be successful and serve as many people as possible. So could you speak about that um, vision statements and and how you utilize them Mm -hmm. in your business and and or in your life? Yeah. So I'll throw a little bit of a wrench in this and say that I'm not a huge visionary. One thing that Margie and I, my business partner, we really balance each other out is she is a visionary. She is so future focused. And 
that's a little bit more challenging for me. As a business owner, I'm an implementer. So I focus a lot on what I need to do day to day. I run a lot of the operations in the business day to day. So actually being really focused on the the vision and where we're going is something that I have to work at. And I wanted to start by sharing that because if anyone listening doesn't feel like a visionary or maybe kind of having a clear vision of the future is a little bit more challenging, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> like there is nothing wrong with you because we need both people and we need entrepreneurs and business owners that are visionary and really focused on the future. And we need those like me that are really focused on how are we going to get there? What are the actual like tactical things that need to get done in order to get there? So that's number one. Now, Margie kind of does the heavy lifting of crafting the vision statement and like really articulating clearly what is that big vision. And then for me, kind of how I approach visioning and futurism, because I still have to have my vision of where I'm going. It's like the work I do is really getting in touch with how I can feel most self-expressed in journey to get there? How can I be most myself as we are on our way to that vision? Like where and how can I contribute in a way that is me and not matching energies with somebody that I think I need to be? Mm, Really, really gorgeous. And do you have that written down? Like, do you have, say, like a couple paragraphs or one line or something that you refer to? Or do you have some kind of practice surrounding that? Or do you just pretty much think about it in your mind? I don't have it written down, but this is all a very recent sort of revelation for me. It's a recent breakthrough that I realized I had been matching energies as a way to feel safe. It's like I literally just learned that matching energies is a trauma response, you know, because if you're going through massive change and you're like your nervous system, like you don't feel safe what you'll do. And I'll speak for myself. What I have done is I'll match the energy and oftentimes kind of like even personality of the people around me, because that's how I can feel safe and not feel like isolated. And like, I'm maybe not doing the right things. I mean, that's just something that I've learned recently. So realizing that actually matching the energy and matching like kind of personalities and what people are saying around me is a trauma response. I'm like, okay, why don't I feel safe in this? Because when you're going towards a vision, right, things are changing. So you're constantly in this place of uncertainty. You're constantly moving into a new space that you weren't used to before. And so what can happen is you don't feel safe. And so then you go into a trauma response. And so for me, what that looked like was matching energies and realizing that then I wasn't self, I wasn't being self-expressed and I wasn't really being myself. So, so then I had to tap into, okay, well, who am I and what do I want? So in the business, what that looks like is really then creating my own vision of where I want to go. And so, you know, for the last couple of years in our business, I've been, you know, primarily in the sales and marketing, and I still lead that. And I still am very much a part of sales and marketing. But now I'm like, what I really love is, you know, coaching our clients, working with our team on the client experience. So now there's this vision of moving me more into that aspect of the business. So there's like the large business vision, but then individually, like I had to create the vision for me. What does my work look like in this vision? Like, how can I be fully myself and fully self-expressed? 
And so then it's like kind of moving the chess pieces around on the board of like, all right, well, if I want to be more over here, if this is where I can be fully myself and not matching anyone's energy, then this is what needs to happen. So that's all been internal work. But part of that comes out of journaling. So when you say, you know, writing it down, you know, I, I, you know, part of the work is writing out like, why am I like this? What has happened in my past that has led me to be this way and to match energies? So there, there is sort of that, that journaling work, that, that reflective meditative work that has us kind of realize what's happening. Why am I being like this? And now, okay, now that I understand all that, what needs to happen going forward to get me in a space where I can move into uncertainty safely? Mm. That answer is so rich. And there are just so many aspects I want to speak about because I think it's just so elucidating for our listeners. One is just this idea that's so brilliant of when you're in a business, right? You've got the outer expressions of the business and obviously the day-to-day life and then that overall arcing vision. And then as you spoke of, but then it's like as mindful mystics and seekers of life trying to live a mindful conscious life, then it's like, okay, well, what's happening on the inside of me and how do I make those sync up? And like you said, you know, of course, over time, hopefully, because that's evolution as you're experiencing life, your business will change you will change and marrying those visions so that they support one another symbiotically and so that one is serving the other and then vice versa. And that is so brave. I think particularly in the business world, it's incredible. And I just honor you so much for doing that work and then being able to articulate it so uh, exquisitely. And I I just love how you talked about your recognition of your mutability and how that is a superhero power, right? On one hand, like to be able to match people's energies. And I'm sure that's part of what's made you so successful because it really is. I really um, resonate with that because I have that power too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like everything, there's that two sides of every coin and the shadow of that. And like you said, that shadow of realizing, okay, what is behind that? And for you being so brave to go into that shadow work, because that's what being a mystic is. It's going and interfacing with that, which is unseen and seen and bridging mm-hmm. them together. And you went deep down into that underworld of like, okay, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And I think so many listeners will resonate with that, you know, that trauma response, because whether we've grown up in a household, say like of an alcoholic or mm-hmm. a parent at best who's hyper erratic, these kind of circumstances, people can do more research about it and get support, but they really do invite people then to become, you know, hyper, I call it like highly sensitive person. And I have a whole episode on that. I think it's episode 33. Um, Our listeners might check it out about highly sensitive people, empaths, and, and how that happens. So I really just honor your path and journey. And it's interesting because like, I'm not a highly sensitive person and I didn't grow up in a household with a lot of, you know, big T trauma, but it's so important. And I've learned this through doing therapy work and personal development work. And for anyone in the audience that might, you know, relate to me, like you don't have to experience a, you don't have to experience big T trauma to have trauma. I mean, we all have trauma for me. It was like being abandoned by a friend, you know, a sixth grade friend just turned her back and decided she didn't want to be friends with me anymore. 
that I've got so many abandonment wounds that stem from that moment being, you know, in my family growing up, like we were very split politically. So and in those first kind of a couple of years, older teen years, when you kind of start formulating what you believe, getting into kind of arguments around different political views and realizing that, oh, when you fully talk about what you believe in, it ends in a fight. I've realized, okay, well, we don't want to go there. So I'm just going to kind of match the energy and match the personality and sort of find the common ground of the person I'm talking to. So I've got all the trauma of just fighting with family members over political differences that have led to me saying, okay, well, if there's ever a chance of disagreement, I'm just going to match the person's energy because that keeps me safe. It's so just eye-opening to realize that these ways of being stem from trying to keep ourselves safe. And if you can just see it for what it is, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but that's been my experience. So I just wanted to share all of that because when you can open your eyes to realizing what has happened and how has that created these like neuro pathways that made us be the way we are, it can really help you create a new way of being going forward. Exactly. And that evolution and progress on the path. And, you know, so much of what you're speaking to is about oneness and these concepts in many psycho-spiritual traditions about this notion that maturation psychologically and spiritually is understanding at the same time, simultaneously, there is oneness, like we are all one and connected. And then Mm -hmm. there's individuality, there's me and there's you, right? Mm -hmm. And often our traumas, whether it's capital T, lowercase t, you know, however you want to think about it is often like a fracturing, so to speak, of when these moments of realization come, that like, you and I are separate, even if it's a healthy separate, Mm -hmm. right? And we are different and being able to hold space for that. Or an inability to see that you and I are one at all, right? Mm -hmm. It's those extremities. And when those happen, whether they're traumatic or they're, you know, healthy, but they can feel traumatic, that's often, you know, when we get these imprints, they're called samskaras in the yogic Mm -hmm. and Buddhist traditions, these imprints of basically patterns that, like you said, we start. And so even if we don't think, like you said, so sweetly, you know, in sixth grade, not a big deal. Okay. It's a friend, Mm -hmm. but that one heartbreak or fracturing or pattern, then like you put it started another pattern and then that another pattern. Right. And so like you're saying, you had this awareness to do that deep work and now it's actually enhancing your business, which is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so cool. I'm obsessed with like personal development and, and growth work because it's just so wild. And it's it's not always fun, right? Because these realizations come after these breakdowns. They come after there's something where, you know, for me, like the matching energies thing came from my business partner saying like, stop saying what I'm saying. <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't even know what I'm doing. And I was mm. like, because you're not conscious of it. That's the thing. Like when you yeah. are, when you have these ways of being that are rooted in these traumatic experiences, it becomes so ingrained in you, they don't even realize you're doing it. And so sometimes it literally has to be someone yelling in your face. I'm I'm not saying Mark yelled in my face, but like, you know, it has to be someone like kind of shaking you and being like, what are you doing? And then being able to be like, 
I'm going to go journal about this. I'll come back to you when I have an answer. And then that, yeah, like being able to kind of see it for what it is kind of helps you disconnect emotionally from it and just kind of see it as, as it is. And it's just like a separate experience from the past. And then kind of being able to move forward and say, all right, I'm going to really, I'm going to be consciously choosing the way I'm being going forward. <laughs> so, so beautiful and so vulnerable. And in psychology, there's that term, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Johari's window. And the, yeah, there are four windows I talk about in a few episodes, but it's essentially there's four different panes of a window, you know, things we can see, things we yeah. can't see, right? And there's one of the four panes that's things that we cannot see that others point out to us and we don't Ugh. even realize. And I oh feel like God. as, right, as a business owner, Ugh. I mean, for me, I am sensitive. That's a journey to be like when people are giving you feedback, to hold that feedback and to allow it to transform you and not break you down. And that's what you did. We've all had those bosses and leaders, right? Where they give mm -hmm. you feedback and then there's no conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's so, that's, wow, I've never heard of that. But that's That makes so much sense because it's funny, like, Oftentimes when I do have this realization about myself and then and then you share it, the other person like they've already seen it. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, no, duh. Thanks. Th thanks for catching up. <laughs> like already knew this about you. And it's like, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me? But it's like you wouldn't have listened if they told you like you kind of have to come to some of this stuff on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because most of the time, like there are things we can't see. And so we'd be like, well, I say what, whatever. You know, it's not until mm -hmm. I feel like it's not until we're in pain yeah. or in our business, we're stuck. That mm -hmm. those two key points are an entry point into that pain of the window that we can't see often. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I totally agree. It's almost like there's like, you've got the blind down on your side of the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great metaphor. Yeah. And, and then you're right. You have to be the one to, to open those blinds, yeah. to pull that string. Yeah. Well, well, I love this so much because I was just thinking about the word entrepreneur. I love words and etymology. And yeah. the word entrepreneur originally comes from the combination of two Latin words, entre, which means like to swim out, and prendre, mm. and that's the same in French, which means to grasp, understand, or capture. There's a French-Irish economist. I'm French and Irish, so I I've cool. read his work just because he's French and Irish. I thought that was cool. <laughs> and he made up this word, Jean-Baptiste. And he combined those two words. I think it was like the 1800s. And wow. it, I love it because it speaks to what we're talking about, like being willing to open those blinds, being willing mm -hmm. to like swim out into the deep water, so to speak, beyond the ordinary. Yes. Like as a business person for you to be like, hey, I did this work. Like that is not the normal conversation in entrepreneurial fields from what I've heard. And I'm often, you know, amongst people who are really, quote unquote, into spirituality, you know, and, yeah. and still these are uncharted waters to actually be authentic about when yeah. we're running small businesses, when we're part of small businesses. And I feel like, you know, it really requires this like, I don't know, Kelka shows of bravery, maybe folly <laughs> yeah. combined with this willingness to be vulnerable and then go out and grasp as the word means capture, you know, and that also implies like that connection we're longing for. And so we're kind of full circle. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. Well, I'm wondering if you could speak of the myths and truths in your experience of being an entrepreneur 
And like mm-hmm. how this specific niche in business, meaning entrepreneurship specifically, starting your own thing, being brave enough to go out into those waters, right? How has it made you a better human and more content, I'm assuming, say, compared to doing something else? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the myths we already talked about, which is that myth of the visionary entrepreneur, not all entrepreneurs are visionary. I I need like I need all those people around me. That's the thing. Like I like anyone. (laughs) I need more of them. And I'm always seeking those people like you. So thank you you for calling that out. You not all entrepreneurs are visionary and there is nothing wrong with you if you're not visionary. We need multiple people. I mean, Marky and I are like, we must have been sisters in a past life. Like it's, it's why we have manifested each other to each other. I'm not saying those words, right. But like, it's just crazy because we balance each other out. We are what each other needs to (laughs) heal some of our past relationship issues. And she is visionary. I am not. And we need each other because I need her vision. And if it were up to her to implement every little thing to get there, she wouldn't do it. She didn't found the business, right? She came in a couple years after. And I reached a point where I I had a vision, right? I started the business. I had a vision and I wanted to grow it to six figures. When I got there and I wanted to grow to six figures and have employees in-house, I hit that vision and I was so depressed. Mm, why? Because I, I didn't know where I was going next. Mm. I got there. Now what? You know, and I had no vision for how I was going to take this thing that I created and make it something bigger and and better and stuff like that. And so Margie coming into the business and saying like and having a clear vision and saying, we're going to take this to seven figures and just all of the visions that she contributed. Oh, my God, it brought the life back into me. I I really thought I was clinically depressed. I was Mm -hmm. like, yep, there's something wrong with me. I got to start going to therapy and there's nothing wrong with therapy. That's not what I'm saying, but I was making a story about myself that, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like I have a chemical imbalance. Like I, I had all the excuses in the world, but what was really happening was like, I just had no vision and I didn't know where to go next. Mm. And so, I mean, we did a lot of personal development work. We went through the whole landmark curriculum for living. And so all of that work was incredibly important. So, I mean, myth number one, not every entrepreneur is a visionary and there's nothing wrong with you if you're not. And finding that other person to help balance you out, whether you're a visionary or not, if you're a visionary, finding that person that's going to help you implement, because it can be incredibly frustrating if you're a visionary and you are able to actually implement and get there, right? You've got the visions, but you're like, but I, I'm not getting there. I'm, it's like you're riding a bike, you know, a bike that's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> totally. So. So that that's number one. Well, one of the things I love that you're saying in the way of truth is what it sounds like to me, surround yourself with others and f- see connections with others who are better than you at certain things that you're not. Yeah. And that's something that's a beautiful touchstone, I think, when we're mm-hmm. in the lands of really everything in life. I mean, I, I'm a biggest fan. Like I try to find everyone who's better at like everything than me. Like that's yeah. like, I, cause it excites me. Like you said, it reignites my passion and then yeah. it also fills in those holes. Yeah. One of the other truths is you as an entrepreneur, you are going to be forced to face your past. There's no way to continue growing and reaching your vision without standing in front of these mirrors of what you have to deal with. 
Margie and I joke all the time that we're crying our way to 10 million because that's our vision is to have an eight-figure business. <laughs> and there's a lot of crying that happens on that journey. You have to deal with your past. I mean, gosh, there's been so many things that I've had to deal with and confront and and beliefs that I've had and fears that I've had. I mean, one of the biggest fears that I've had was if I become wealthy, my family will turn on me. Because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in a middle class family. At times we were doing okay. And at times my dad was unemployed and we weren't doing so great. You know, always had a roof over our head and food on the table. Sometimes that food came from the bargain grocery store. You know what I'm saying? Like, and there's a lot of just like pride and like growing, like being broke, you know, like you can't scroll TikTok without people like, just taking pride in the fact that they don't have money. And so there's a lot of fear. I'm like, oh my God, if I become wealthy, I'm going to be totally ousted. My community and the people that I have, like this community I've been a part of, I'm now going to be the the rich person Mm -hmm. that people think are terrible. Like how many like rich people suck, stuff like that. There are unkind rich people and there are unkind poor people. (laughs) Like that's just people. Um, And so- One of the things that I've had to work on over the last year was being proud and not feeling shame for becoming wealthy and making money. I was able to buy a really nice house this year. It's kind of extra. And they're literally, it's it's moments of like, if I'm going to post a picture on social media that shows what my house looks like, I have a, I still, I, I have moments of like, I'm afraid what people are going to think of me. People are going to see this house that I bought and think like, um, I'm that, you know, whatever, right? All these fears. And so that's one of the things I work on. But the Mm -hmm. truth of entrepreneurship is like, you're going to have to come to terms with that. And one of the reasons that a lot of entrepreneurs don't grow is because of a similar fear of like becoming wealthy. And so they just self-sabotage. They keep themselves small so they don't have to face whatever stories they have about being wealthy. That's really interesting because I feel like in many spiritual circles, there's what I would call this shadow perspective of abundance, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm. this like anti-abundance mentality. And I've been in a lot of different situations where I've heard, whether it be folks being shamed for having, you know, an abundant life or people hiding um, and sharing with me, you know, on the side that they have you know, shame around this and, and that they make good money and they, they didn't know how to really feel about this and come to terms with this, so to speak. So I love that you're calling this out for discussion with your capacity to, mm-hmm. to create because, you know, money is energy. At least that's how I mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. And, the, you know, the abundance we have, it's like anything in life. We, we can use it and be in alignment with it or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, from the yogic lineage, I primarily practice, which is Tantra. It's like Mm -hmm. every single thing in the world, the understanding is we can be in alignment with and use for the forces of humanity and Mm -hmm. enhancement and good or not. Mm -hmm. You know, anything really can be sacred or not. So it, it becomes to to really call on and think about how we are in relationship to it. And then I feel like it goes back to that vision of then what are you going to do with what you have, you know, in this lifetime, make a certain amount of money. Like every single day I have this ritual where I think about all the places and things I'm going to do, whether donating, whether what I'm creating, mm-hmm. trust, like different things. So that if my life goes that way, 
I'm like already thinking about the good I want to do to create a better world with that. Yeah. I believe it too. Money is energy. We created it. It's a construct, right? If you watch any show about the apocalypse, money doesn't exist. Like it's <laughs> just something we created. It has no money has no value in a society that doesn't all agree that it has value. So mm-hmm. right there, it is energy. And I think, yeah, you have to get clear on like what is your story about it. And I think the other thing is, yes, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like one of the my biggest motivators, like a couple of years ago before COVID, I was at a banquet and I would look across the banquet hall and see the table with the person who could stand up and just donate $10,000. And I was like, yes, queen. Like, I want to be that person. Like, I want to be that person who just like write a check like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like nothing like that. I was like, yes, that fuels me. And also, and also be the person that could just buy yourself really something expensive because you can and like not feeling guilty. And I think that is something it's really important, especially for women. Cause like, I can't speak for men, but I think sometimes it's like, we justify wanting to make a lot of money. Cause we're like, but I'm going to give so much of it away. And it's like, but it's also okay for you to like treat yourself to something really expensive and not, and not feel any shame about that, mm. you know, and like not feel any guilt about that. Because if, you know, one of the most powerful things that I did this year was I just journaled out what you, what I want. And that can be a really, really powerful practice of like, what do you want? I want a hot tub. I want to have a professional interior designer redecorate my whole house. Like I want a lot of stuff and like actually just brain dumping everything you want can be so, so powerful because what I realize is what if, if I don't do that and if I don't communicate and write down what I want, I will not bring the money into my life because there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. It's so true that everything flows where your attention goes, right? So that mm-hmm. would be money. That would be health. That would be everything. So I totally, I totally understand that creating pockets of space for it. And, um, yes. you know, in, in the yoga tradition, there's a practice, it's called dakshina, dakshina practice. And it recognizes money as energy and mm. a force of abundance and a force to be reveled in and shared amongst yeah. everyone. And, you know, it's like a spiritual practice. Like you go to places where you, you know, like a temple, you do this practice and you don't just like throw money in. You like, mm-hmm. you know, bow and pray and you might walk around the temple three times. Like there's actual ritual mm-hmm. around the offering of money. It's all ritualized. So it's really, yeah. really interesting. Thank you. I want to, I want to add something because I want to make sure what I just said wasn't taken the wrong way. I, I don't want to say that. I don't mean to say, oh, you you have to want to spend stuff on yourself because some people that just doesn't resonate with them. But just be mindful of what is the energy you have around the money, right? So if what everyone, tr- if what you truly want to do is like, I want to make a ton of money so I can give it all away because I just want to live in a van. <laughs> you know, if that's your truth and you're doing that from an energy of like, this is truly what I want. Yes. I think the trap and the, and the the potential pitfall is when people are moving there that, you know, that money, that energy from a place of feeling guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the distinction because it's not like not everyone has to do with their money what everyone else does, but it's just being really mindful of like, what is the energy you have around the decisions you're making with your money? Yeah. Yeah. Because when there's confusion and confliction, I really would like you know, to create and manifest that, like, I want to, you know, create a lot of money if and when to then help the ocean and water. Right. So, but then if I'm feeling shame and confliction in another Mm -hmm. aspect of self, it'll block the energy of money because when there's non-clarity, there's not 
as you and I like to say, connection. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? And exactly. there's not flow. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So interesting. Well, I would love to glean your insight and wisdom on conscious and mindful ways to manage a team. Because mm. I think one of the most challenging and rewarding aspects of participating in business is that teamwork that can make the dream work and mm-hmm. can be the nightmare work. And this is if you're running the team or you're on the team, right? Mm-hmm. And so would you be willing to offer some awareness tips to our yes. listeners of how to be a more mindful boss or yeah. employee or coworker? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've been all yeah. these three positions. And uh, like, are there mistakes you've made growing a team? And <laughs> yeah, you know, all the things, share. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Drip your jewels. Absolutely. So yes, I've made so many mistakes. I think we need a whole other podcast for that. But (laughs) I think one of the best things, and it's it's such a simple tip, is to just be in more frequent face-to-face communication. One of the biggest challenges that we have working remotely is so much of our communication is uh, over text or it's voice text with no facial expressions or anything like that. So one of the things that, you know, we've been doing in our business is as much as possible, we've really, and we continue to catch ourselves, right? Like this needs to be a Zoom conversation. Like we need to have this face-to-face for a while. Like my team just started like turning off their camera on Zoom calls. Like one person did it and then the next person did it. And then there came a point a few months ago where I was like, everyone has to turn their camera on. It is a company rule. Like I cannot get on Zoom with a whole company and have everyone with a like a just a blank screen. Like I ha- like we have to do face-to-face communication. Made it an enormous difference. Mm-hmm. It made such a huge difference because I felt like I was talking to a wall and I was like, oh my God, there's no connection here. It drove me crazy. And I was like, enough is enough. And that was like, I was giving away my power because I hated that people turned their camera off for so long, but I never said anything about it. And so I remember Margie and I were talking about like, should we be hiring a director of operations? And I was like, well, when we hire that person, I'm going to have them start this rule. And Margie said, why don't you just make that rule right now? And I was like, yeah, I should do that. And so (laughs) it's like, you know, looking at where are you giving away your power? Where are you? Because when you grow a big team, whether that's for you, that might be three people if you have nobody right now, or it could be 25 people like we have. Whether when you're growing a team, sometimes you can get afraid of them, right? You can get in it because as humans, it's like, we can be afraid of each other. We often are afraid of each other, honestly. And don't you have to really be careful not to give away your power in moments of fear mm-hmm. of what other people are thinking. So, so one of the the best things you can do to have that m- mindful mindfulness when you're growing a team is to increase the amount of communication you can do face to face. And if it's virtual, Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I know we have Zoom fatigue, but like being able to talk about something looking at the other person, it makes such a tremendous difference. That's honestly like the biggest tip I can give is like, if you just communicate face to face and frequent communication, we've over the last several months and going into this year, you know, Margie and I as business owners are increasing the amount of time we're with our team. You know, like I'm going to start going to a lot more 9am meetings. God help me. I don't want to go to 9am meetings, but it has to be done in order to have that connection with the team and to understand what's happening. And know what needs to happen in order to reach our goals. So talking with your team more, being in communication with that, with the ability to have body language and facial expression, that's, yeah, 
just do that. <laughs> and that's the case, whether, whether you're an employee or like with your coworkers, that can be applied, right? Because it's all mm-hmm. that humaning in business, yes. not busyness in your humaning. That's really yeah. beautiful. And how do you handle friendships within your business? Like how do you make clear distinctions mm-hmm. or maybe you don't between being someone's boss or supervisor or if you're the employee and make yeah. a boundary that you never enter the landscape of friendship. I feel like these mm-hmm. are very gray lines and in the yes. lens of small business ownership and spiritual businesses, they can be really challenging to navigate because they're so gray. And um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are gray lines. So, I mean, I'll speak from the perspective as a business owner, as, you know, the leader, the boss. I'm not friends with my employees. There definitely, like, has to be that clear line. You know, a rule is, like, you always vent up, right? I become very friendly with some of the employees I work with most often. You know, my salesperson, Sammy, we work together very closely. We spend a lot of time virtually, you know, when we're working together. And so, you know, sometimes we'll send, like, you know, TikToks back and forth on social media because it's like we just have a similar sense of humor. And I think that that type of thing is okay. But like if she's got the day off, like I'm not texting her, right? Like I'm not chit-chatting with her when she's off work. You know, you have to have those clear lines. It's like keeping communication with them at work during work hours, not venting about your problems down to your employees. It is a gray line. So there's not really a black and white rule, but Sometimes you have to be authentic and transparent about stuff that's going on or, or, you know, I'll, I'll say to sometimes my team, like, I don't know the answer here. Like, I'm kind of struggling with this, but in a way that, you know, what Margie talks about is like empowered uncertainty. Um, She made that distinction for me, which was really helpful because I was like, she realized I was having a loss of power when I was not certain about something. And she's like, you can be uncertain, but don't have a loss of power, like stay in your power while communicating that you don't know what the answer is. And, and that's a really helpful way to come to your team authentically, because you're not always going to have the answers while staying in your power. So don't be friends with your employees. Like they're not your friends, but you can still find a way to be authentic with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That human connection. Because yeah. as a leader, and then even as like prior to you being a leader, right, within the lands of business, I mean, doesn't it still really help and support people's productivity, people's sense of happiness and joy when you're connecting personally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because, you know, Margie and I, started out as employee and employer. She was an employee first. And mm. and I remember she was like, uh, like asking me to hang out and stuff. And I was like, you're my employee. Like we can't be friends. And then we always joke. I'm like, so I made her my co-owner and now we're friends. <laughs> but even that, like even as business partners, like we are equals there because we also work together. Like we have had to draw really clear lines and boundaries because like we both equally deserve separation from work. We deserve time off, right? So we keep all of our communication to Slack because sometimes like we could text each other about something that's not work-related, but because we co-own a business together, it can sometimes slide into work stuff, you know? So we we have had to, over the years, 
figure out what are those lines and those boundaries. So we're, we're best friends, but at the same time, we have to respect that we also run a business together and we both want breaks from that business when we're not working, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are those areas too, where it's like, okay, we're friends, but because we, you know, have the business, we have to figure out what are the ways that we communicate with each other? What are the platforms so that we can, you know, give each other that space? That's so great just to really call out and have those conversations with people. I think that's part of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. having those kind of conversations authentically with people and thinking about, like you're saying, even the pitfalls ahead, like, okay, well, now we're going to business ownership together. So let's put the systems in place, putting systems Mm -hmm. in place, even for interpersonal connection, I think is really wise, right? Because that, that really can protect relationships. I have a friend who went her co-business owner they like went to therapy together recently oh yes and and they're not romantic partners they you know and I was like damn that's brilliant like I like thinking about the past I was thinking about a couple people like I wish I could have Mm -hmm. had a few therapy sessions with this person and I was like that's genius I I love that so much and you know Marky and I we did all of Landmark together which was a lot of like that was, we have done the work on our relationship. We've worked with coaches where, you know, we, we've had co- not technically therapists, but we've, we worked with a mindset and energy coach, Stacey Barenfuss, who's amazing. And like, she facilitated some seriously like intense sessions with us because when you're in a business partnership with someone, you know, you're not probably not romantically or sexually involved, but you are very involved with each other. And I've seen the issues in my marriage mirrors the issues with Margie and vice versa. It manifests differently, right? Because we're not Mm. married, but we have a legal contract to be together on this thing, much like a marriage. It does require therapy. It requires coaching if you're going to, you know, feel happy and balanced and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's really interesting because then it's like, okay, well, if you're working for someone or even with coworkers, right? It's such an important, potent point. Like our issues replicate those, Mm -hmm. that word I mentioned, some scars, those patterns. And like you said, we have these like synapses going on in our brain, right? And they keep firing in a certain way. And so it's so beautiful and mindful to think about, okay, this person at work who's driving me crazy, right? How is that relationship you know, match and mirror another relationship, perhaps if someone even, you know, closer to me. And -hmm. it's really interesting when you start unpacking it and trying to make, again, that word connections of patterns and ways of being. Because I found often, like you're saying, like things that come up and work, if I'm really authentic and honest, there are patterns that come up in my personal life too. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. What practices do you do to unwind and distress from the fullness of your high-powered day and demands of entrepreneurship and the busyness of business. <laughs> yeah, I love this question. So I started taking dance classes Yay! a few months ago. What kind of dance? So I did two rounds of tap dance and now I'm doing mm-hmm. a jazz dance class and I love it. I only go once a week and I'm like crossing my fingers that they have enough um, people enroll for the next session because it's an adult dance class. There's mm-hmm. not a huge amount of interest in it. I don't live like in a city where there's like a ton of like, you know, if you're like in Austin or New York City, like it's no problem You can, or LA, like there's always going to be a dance class for you to go to because there's a huge community of like theater and stuff like that. But I'm in North Smithfield, Rhode Island. So it's like... <laughs> It's so fun. It has really helped me tap into my inner child because I did musical theater as a kid. And uh, 
it feels amazing. And so I do that dance class once a week, but now that I have some, I have, I have some moves, I can then <sighs> dance myself. I can dance at home, you know? So dance has been really good. I mean, just typical working out. I have a rowing machine. So like movement in my body helps a lot. Uh, we already talked about the chickens <laughs> going outside and I've got kids, you know, so I have two young kids. They kind of require me to transition out of like beast mode into mom mode every day. <laughs> That's really, really sweet. I love that. Do you dance at night ever? Like, are you too tired? I mean, yesterday I was like on Zoom all day and I was like, I just felt so much like tension. So I went upstairs, I did like a row and then I just put on my my AirPods and just like put on some music and just kind of danced around my room. So yeah, I do. Love that. I love it. I love it. Fun, right? That fun makes us better entrepreneurs, business participants in any way. Like sometimes I think it's, we can forget that. I was at my work last night. My studio space was like 10, 15 at night. I just worked on a newsletter and uh-huh. I was like, I, all I want to do is go like home, but I will do yoga for five yes. minutes, you know? And I just, I crawled on my mat, you know, and 10 minutes later I felt so much better and I slept so well. So remembering, you know, those practices that we love, even if they're short, I love how you said mm-hmm. you just put your AirPods in and then just like a tiny little dance. Yeah. But remembering absolutely. how to connect to that joy and fun and in our bodies. I think our being in my body is like my number one way I process stress. I totally agree. Yeah, I think it, it helps all of us, right? It, my friend Elizabeth Kristoff talks about how we have dysregulated nervous systems. So finding the ways that you can regulate your nervous system is so important. It's so beautifully put. I love that. It's so true. So true. Well, yeah. Jessica, I usually end my interviews with a guest offering a punctuating meditation or practice. And I, I wondered if you could leave us with, I don't know, like a sentence, we call it mantra, which yeah. is a mind tool in uh, the, the mystical lands, maybe like a phrase or a touchstone. So when our listeners are calling in their entrepreneurial selves, they can focus on, I really am thinking about it. And I really feel like in some sense, and I don't know if how you feel about it or agree, that like we're all entrepreneurs in the way of our own Mm -hmm. life, like in this definition of swimming out into the oceans of life and being brave and curating our life if we're living awake. So yes, yeah. do you have like a phrase or a sentence that we could repeat, that MP3 we could repeat and uh, help ourselves when our minds get unruly or we get unfocused? Yeah. You know, this phrase has been with me since, I don't know, probably college. It's been with me a long time. This too shall pass. Mm. That mantra just, it, it helps so much because everything will pass. This too shall pass. The other mantra I really like is everything right now in this moment is perfect. Mm, and why do you love that one? Because everything in this moment right now is perfect. all of the stresses and anxieties we have, right? That's in the future. Right now, you and I having this conversation is perfect. And if you, every moment that you say that, if you just look at what's happening, you realize if you look at right in front of you, what you're doing right now, who you're with is perfect. Any stresses you have is about something in the future or in the past. It's not about what's happening right now in your physical space in front of you. So true. So true. It's that it's the meditation. I mean, mm-hmm. what you just offer. Thank you. It's literally the meditation. One pointed focus on the now mm-hmm. comes back to the chickens who bring us to the now <laughs> or the kids or yes. the practices and people we love. Right. And it's really, really beautiful. 
thank you for those really gorgeous punctuating words. And Jessica, where can folks find out about you and your illuminative work in this world? Yeah. So interviewconnections.com would be the best place. We have everything on our website, whether you want to reach out and schedule a consult call or you just want access to one of our free trainings. We've got master classes. We've got private trainings. All of that information will be on our website at interviewconnections.com. If you want to connect with me personally at Jess Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S 45 is my personal Instagram. Like that's where you can see the chickens and the kids. And (laughs) (laughs) so if you just want to connect with me personally at Jess Rhodes 45 on Instagram. Mm, Well, Jessica is so generously offering my monthly mystic members for free. Yes, you heard it free. Her three-part training, Monetize the Mic. Jessica is just such an extraordinary and clear teacher, which you can hear from this interview. And anyone with interest in business or entrepreneurship will definitely learn from this. Do you want to say a little bit about that? It's for business owners and entrepreneurs who want to leverage podcast guesting to grow their visibility. So if that sounds like you, definitely apply for access. So head on over to my website, modernmystic.love, and get all sorts of phenomenal discounts and free offerings from my guests and myself as a monthly member, such as this most generous discount from Jessica there. Jessica, thank you so much for your visionary commitment to connection, because even though you think you're not a visionary, our guests (laughs) and I can actually affirm that you are, even (laughs) though you might be even greater at at manifesting and midwifing systems. You definitely are now <laughs> officially you. a visionary. I am, I am coronating you. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you just have so much integrity with your powerful work you're doing in this world. And I thank you for being here with me and our listeners today. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. 
Not to mention my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.